This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Recent research has found that low-income households utilizing more than one taxpayer-funded food assistance program are consuming excessive amounts of sugar-sweetened beverages. We'll have the story. Those families that were participating in both SNAP and WIC at the same time were drinking sugar-sweetened beverages more often. Then, over 2 million cars in America have been issued urgent safety recalls, but the car owners aren't taking action. Is your car at risk? All recalls are important, but these recalls stand out a little bit. So these are recalls where the problem has such a dire possible outcome that needs really urgent attention. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's show. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. A recent study found high consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages among certain households utilizing taxpayer-funded food assistance programs. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Kate Bauer, Associate Professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Dr. Bauer, let's see if I understand your findings. First of all, there are two food assistance programs at issue here, WIC and SNAP. WIC is the Women, Infants, and Children. That's for pregnant or breastfeeding moms and kids up to age four. And the so-called SNAP program is for low-income families. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So the SNAP program is what many people think of as food stamps. The name changed to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program a few years ago. And yes, it is our country's biggest federal food assistance program, serving low-income families and seniors. Pertaining to sugar-sweetened beverages, what did your study find relative to those taking part in WIC and SNAP? What we did that was different than any other study has done before is that we not only looked at who's drinking beverages and whether they are participating in SNAP or WIC, but we really approached this by knowing that many families with young children are participating in SNAP and WIC. And so that is providing them a lot of benefits, nutrition education, financial assistance to buy food and beverages. And so what we found is that those families that were participating in both SNAP and WIC at the same time, mothers were drinking sugar-sweetened beverages more often, and actually young children were drinking sugar-sweetened beverages more often. Meanwhile, we didn't see that when families were participating in just SNAP or just WIC. So it may be something different about the families that are participating in both programs. And there may be something about the way the two programs work together that might unintentionally encourage sugar-sweetened beverage intake. You found that children from households enrolled in WIC and SNAP at the same time drank soda approximately five times more frequently than kids in families not participating in either program. How concerned are you about this? 
I do want to point out that overall intake of sugar-sweetened beverages in young children was very low. So when we're talking about a five-time increase, it goes from basically barely nothing to one serving a month or so, and that's for soda. So it's not very often, but it was really the pattern that we saw where both moms and children from these households participating in both programs were drinking sugar-sweetened beverages more often. And other studies have actually found that when families participate in both programs, they purchase sugar-sweetened beverages more often. So there's starting to be real consistency and needing to consider that, again, these are sort of nutritionally vulnerable and high-risk families. And what are some of the health risks to children who consume too much sugar, whether it's soda or anything else? First of all, the major thing that I would be concerned about with sugar intake in young children is their oral health. Cavities are really, unfortunately, pretty common in kids who drink juice and other sugar-sweetened beverages. We then have to think about the preferences that are being developed over time when we have a lot of exposure to sweet foods and we're not challenged by other flavors. That tends to be what we go for over time, which can contribute to selecting a diet that's higher in sugar in the long term. And then, of course, like adults, greater sugar intake and sugar-sweetened beverage intake has been linked to type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, other outcomes that we'd really like to help children avoid. And you have a theory as to why using both programs may lead families to buy and drink high amounts of sugar-sweetened beverages. You mentioned before about the two working together. What is the dynamics of that in terms of the money that they have to spend? Yeah, I want to be really careful. First of all, these programs are critical and they have so many health benefits associated with them and economic benefits for families. So we absolutely do not want to say, oh, we should restrict these programs because we know that actually doesn't work. But we do hear from families that they're very smart and they're very thoughtful about how they're spending their money. And SNAP benefits can be used for almost any food or beverage. Meanwhile, WIC benefits are much more restricted to foods that promote health during pregnancy and early in life. And so we know that families are using their WIC benefits to buy awesome things like fruits and vegetables, low-fat milk, protein-rich foods. And so when families have benefits from both these programs, that probably leaves a little bit extra of their SNAP benefits to then spend on things, you know, that all of us tend to enjoy and that makes us happy. So snacks and sugar-sweetened beverages. We also really know that when families don't have a lot of money, you know, they don't get to splurge on their kids. There's there's a limited number of things that they can really do for their children. And so they do tend to buy sugary beverages because it's, you know, a treat that kids can have. And it's something that can, you know, make life a little more fun in difficult times. So it's absolutely understandable that they're making these purchases. We just need to think about ways to support them and sort of nudge them into healthier purchases. We're visiting with Dr. Kate Bauer, Associate Professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Its study on low-income families consuming sugary beverages is now published in the Journal of Nutrition, Education, and Behavior. 
You have mentioned that some communities deeply distrust their tap water, and therefore families there tend to use bottled water. Now, clearly there have been some communities where unhealthy levels of lead were found in the drinking water, but are issues like that one, one driver at least, for low-income families to use sugar-sweetened beverages? We can't say for certain, But this study, we did collect data from low-income families here in Michigan, where obviously with the Flint water crisis and other issues, there is a high level of distrust of tap water. And we also know like in communities, like immigrant communities, when people are coming from countries where their tap water wasn't safe to drink, they come to the U.S. and they, you know, still hold on to those beliefs just out of distrust and uncertainty. And so we do see there's several studies that show when distrust of tap water is high, as we found in this study, people turn to bottled water and they're really spending unnecessary dollars on bottled water. And they do, in certain communities, tend to drink more sugar-sweetened beverages. So I do feel like there's a link between trust in tap water. And to avoid the health problems that we were touching on earlier, which include type 2 diabetes or tooth decay or obesity, if families choose not to purchase bottled water, are drinks with artificial sweeteners a reasonable compromise solution? I know research just came out really questioning the health effects of artificial sweeteners. I can't say for certain on what side I fall on that, but we talked about taste preferences and that if from an early age we're exposed to sweet things, we tend to seek out those things more. And so I think for children, whether it is real sugar or artificial sweeteners, I would bet that that exposure to sweetness is modifying their preferences and probably contributing to sweet flavor preference throughout the life. So I'd rather see children have exposure to lots of different flavors, lots of different textures, you know, bitter vegetables and all those kind of things and avoid artificial sweeteners and focus on water, milk, things that help our bodies grow. Dr. Kate Bauer from the University of Michigan, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your study. Thanks for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gita Tedesco. Next, has your car been issued a recall? Details coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead. Mm-hmm. 